0: This is Barbara Crampton, and you're listening to Without Your Head.
1: Here. Welcome to the station of decapitation without your head. I'm Nasty Neal and I'm joined by FX artist and filmmaker Kenneth J. Hall. It's very cool to have you here.
0: Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be here.
1: Yeah, now, you worked on a lot of cool things and hopefully we'll get to a lot of them. But I don't know if we'll get to all of them. There's a lot of IMDb. Uh, well, it's,
0: yeah, it's been, a, been been quite a quite a few years of stuff.
1: All right. But our, currently we've had uh, a lot of guests on from Willy's Wonderland. Which I was, I loved. I had a really, I'll be honest. I was trying to keep this off the show, but I actually saw it in the theater. Uh, My brother and I went and saw it in the theater. It was the first time we were in the theater since last year, and uh, it was a very cool experience. And so, how did you get involved in Willy's Wonderland?
0: Well, uh, in uh, 2019, I was closing my business of 24 years, Total Fabrication. And I got a call out of the blue from Lorreen Yakel, who is the uh, uh, who was going to be the line producer on the movie. And she said, oh, my God, you're closing your shop. You know, I mean, I really wanted you to do this with us. And I said, well, let me uh, 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 tell me a little bit about it. And she told me. And uh, I'm trying to remember. I don't know if Nicolas Cage's name was mentioned at that time. But, you know, the idea of these, you know, eight animatronic characters and so forth. So I had a uh, conference call with uh, some of the producers and uh, Kevin, the director. And, you know, uh, I said, well, first off, in this amount of time, and they were trying to get, you know, the money in place so I could get started. uh, But... And ultimately we wound up with only two months to do all eight characters. But even before that, I knew there was no way um, realistic way to do multiples. And I said, Here, okay, I know the way movies are made and they're not normally shot in sequence, but when it comes to these characters, they have to be shot in sequence. Because of course there was a flashback where you saw the characters, pristine and colorful and so forth and then they had to be aged down. And then when they got destroyed frequently, they really got destroyed, you
1: know? Oh really? So,
0: oh yeah. Yeah. That was, you know, I mean, um, you know, you could potentially hose down, you know, and get all the black goo out of them. But like uh, the first character, uh, you know, to be sacrificed was uh, um, Ozzy, the ostrich and Nick, really beat the hell out of it. He knocked an eye out, I think, on the first take. So it wasn't like, oh, okay, let's reset and do that again. No, yeah. <laughs> there, there was none of that. So that was that was restrictive, you know, from a shooting standpoint. We were fortunate enough. They shot most of the non-creature uh, stuff the first week, which gave us time in Atlanta to do some fine tuning and, and fit the different uh, stunt people that were wearing the costumes. So, but anyway, it was uh, uh, Lorraine Yakel who brought me in on the project. You know, it was definitely something that was in my line because a lot of the stuff we did at uh, uh, Total Fabrication was create mascots. And these are essentially, even though they're supposed to be animatronic, they're people in costumes. So they're basically evil mascots. Right. So the, 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 one of the challenges, and I kept, uh, uh, there seems to be a Troy Jones trying to
1: connect. Yes. yes. This uh, is my brother
0: here. Oh, okay. Very cool. How are well, you doing? The, um, you know, was the idea that these things had to look, uh, you know, like you know, somewhat kid friendly to start out with, and I knew I could do little tricks like adding evil eyebrows and, and and stuff like that to do that. But that was that was the challenge up front, and there were a number of changes made in the characters as we went. Um, for you know, we were trying to get away from Five Nights at Freddy's, so we got rid of a, the bear character. And I think there was also, there was also, I think, a rabbit early on. Uh, we got rid of those, and then Nick got involved and wanted all sorts of lizards, uh, <laughs> reptilian characters, which I was fine with. Uh, Tito, the turtle, I was fine with. Artie, the alligator, I was not crazy about Cammy Chameleon, <laughs> and you know there'll probably be some hate from various. Fans out there, but I'm out of here now. I hated. It. I mean, we couldn't. And, and the funny thing was, uh, what most people wouldn't guess is that I designed the creatures up front, and then we sent pictures or, or my designs to the art department, and they created the cartoon Willie and the other characters. And when I saw what they had done with Cammy, I said, "God, she looks cute." My thing, you know, before before we even aged her or something like that, just was a nightmare, you know? And not, you know, I, I think up to the standards of the other characters, like, uh, I think, you know, one of the creepiest characters is Siren Sarah, you know? And, uh, you know, we knew right up front, you know, that was going to be just a slight tilt to the left to make her, you know, pretty, pretty horrifying, so...
1: Yeah. That is cool though that, you know, I don't think people would expect Nicholas Cage to be that cause from other, uh, interviews too. We did, he seemed to be, that was part of the reason the project really got greenlit and stuff was his involvement and that he was so, uh, enthused about it. And that's cool that he even had input on, you know, uh, what the robots would be.
0: Yeah. I mean, he wasn't specific about names or, or types of lizards and so forth. We even though the turtle is not exactly a lizard, uh, uh, you know, but uh, uh, you know, I, I, I just thought you know, uh, you know, basically having half the characters lizard seemed a little weird. That nobody probably would ever have, you know, done it that way in real life. You know, it's uh, but you know, what are you going to do? We, you know, we had our marching orders and, and we pretty much followed them.
1: Yeah. No, uh, when you said that, you know, you really. Uh, destroyed the robots that you know when when they're getting just when they're getting uh, wrecked when they're getting attacked uh does that happen often when you're making a movie that like you know you're going to destroy the actual things
0: i have i have worked on some movies years ago i i did a movie called ghoulies 2 in italy and uh there was it was originally made for some other reason but we wound up making a big costume version of the fish ghoulie which they wound up turning into the creature that they summoned to destroy all the little ghoulies, and and unfortunately the uh, the second unit director, which was charged uh, to do all scenes with puppets, including scenes with principal actors, because Albert Band, you know, who was the director, basically said, "I don't want to work with no fucking puppets." <laughs> so, uh, you know, so you know, so we were doing all this stuff, and the second unit director clearly didn't understand puppetry he had done second unit direction on uh the Delorena's kong and flash gordon but he'd had you know days to do one shot you know that kind of thing and you know you know the ghoulies are all over his place and he, i remember him coming to me because i was kind of in charge of the puppets on that show and he goes these ghoulies they don't really do much do they i said they don't do anything they're puppets you have to make them do the stuff and, and he goes don't they even walk and I go, walk <laughs> that's the hardest thing in the world i said look did you see gremlins which had a slightly bigger budget than <laughs> right.
1: real animal and the real a
0: couple little marionette shots look exactly like <laughs> what they were and then they had the big stop motion shot, but otherwise it was it was the Muppet Show, yeah. and that's basically what we were dealing with, you know, on a shoestring budget in a foreign country, you know. So yeah, it was it was. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, the reason I went into this whole direction was, you know, uh, this director, uh, you know, uh, since he couldn't handle the puppets. He said, oh, well, let's bring out the big ghoul. And, you know, and I, I think I was even in the suit one time, but I think it was mostly John Criswell and uh, Tom Flouts. But it's like they they, they, had, they had enough footage to make a whole other movie about this thing and so forth. And, you know, but we knew they were actually going to blow it apart on the back lot one night. And, you know, frankly, I was counting the days, you know, and it's like, <laughs> let's get, get rid of this damn thing. But at that point, I was happy to see it. Yeah. Apart.
1: I would think two things there. Obviously, you have to be make sure you do that last. So you get all the shots with, you know, whatever you're going to destroy. But when you go to destroy it, that must be fun, too, because then you don't have to worry about protecting it at all. You can have at it.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, you know, and I knew up front that the Willys characters were going to get destroyed, you know. So it wasn't, um, you know, I, I was more concerned about them you know holding together through the scene you know uh the second character we did was gus gorilla and nick got a little enthusiastic and punched the character right in the face and the mechanics cut the uh, uh stunt guy's oh, well, sorry of his that. nose yeah. and you know we were doing some you know emergency repairs and uh yeah, I, I, uh, and one of the eyes wasn't working, but it was enough into the fight where it's like, okay, nobody's going to notice that this thing isn't blinking, you know, at this point. At least he didn't knock it completely out of the head like he did with Ozzy.
1: Yeah. So uh, you said, like, you, so you uh, designed like what they would look like, then they were drawn as cartoons, and then they yes. were made for the robots. Yeah. Like, yeah. is that how they were?
0: Yeah, and, and the thing was, I you know the, the producers got a little nervous because I told them up front I am not a two D artist. You know, towards the very end, I, I found out one of the the PAs on my my team uh, was a an artist, and she you know hel- uh, you know helped with the renderings, but the early ones weren't, uh, and uh, so you know. Uh, they were going, well, you know, we love the stuff on your website, but you know, know, we're not sure about these drawings. I said, listen, if you were doing an animated film, you know, I would be the first one to recommend you fire me. You know, I'm not an illustrator, but you know, it got the point across and once they saw the stuff coming together, but they did uh, put a lot of faith in me as, you know, uh, I, they really saw very little of these characters together before they arrived. And, um, you know they were still out shooting on location when you know we uh you know we're still uh, you know putting the final touches on.
1: Now, had you uh, known the the director Kevin Lewis before this at all?
0: I did not. I I, I met him and all the local producers, Grant Kramer, uh, Jeremy. You know all all of them. You know I met. You know I mean I my first encounter was a, a phone conversation, which you know you know you you don't know who you're. Talking to really, but uh, no, they 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 were all great. They they were all everybody was really enthusiastic. You know, it wasn't just one of those. Yeah, let's get this done. It was like you know they were really all very excited about the subject matter. And the more I I I started analyzing, and I said I can't think of any. And I'm a big you know horror, fantasy, sci-fi guy. I said I can't think of any movie that really liked this ever you know, no. so, you it know, I, great. of course, you know, people were talking about five nights at Freddy's and so forth like that. And, you know, there's still the possibility of doing a movie, but you know, uh, this, uh, this beat it out.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, how about the location? Uh, we talked to some other people and uh, what was the location like to work in?
0: Well, I mean the exterior, and I think they did all those exteriors in one day going into night uh, uh, but, uh, most of everything was done on a stage, you know, on the outskirts of Atlanta. It was, you know, reconverted, uh, industrial warehouse. So the heat wasn't that great and all that, but, uh, you know, the, uh, all, all the interiors of the, of the, uh, restaurant were done on that stage as well as, you know, a few other places like, um, um. Uh, some house interiors, that sort of thing.
1: And uh, I wasn't being rude looking at my phone, but a uh, cat who set this interview up, uh, she can't join us tonight because uh, she's at work right now. But uh, oh,
0: I okay. I I called, uh, texted her earlier. She said she was working in her field, uh, but I I I just pictured her out in the middle of
1: you know, <laughs> of an actual field. Right?
0: Field. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> that's what I was just doing. You know, just they're hoeing and stuff. You know? yeah. You know. yeah. Yeah, But uh, for, for uh, now, did you know Kat before the movie?
0: I had met her once. She lives, and I can't, is it Tennessee? Tennessee, yeah. Uh, she um, uh, had, had come out, and she worked a lot with Roy over at Soda Effects. And, you know, uh, since I'd closed my shop, I needed a place to work. And, you know, I knew that we needed to have some blood and gore on this show, So I offered it to Roy and he had, he put Kat in charge of that on location. She was not able to come out and work with us on, like I said, I'd met her at a party before, but she was not able to come out and work with us uh, on, you know, the building, Um, uh, uh, a girl named Jordan, uh, who had worked for Roy before as well. She prepped the stuff and she worked on the creature team building. And then when, she got there she worked with cat on the blood and guts
1: nice she's really cool when we had her on the show uh yeah, her other co-host tristan worked with her on a movie and uh, she'd set that up so why did you close your uh studio
0: uh you know uh, uh finances and so forth i was just a time where you know and i'd been through this many times over the years where it's like okay it's slow it's slow you know, oh, we got a little job coming in. It's going to keep us afloat for another couple of weeks, that sort of thing. And it just, you know, uh, outlasted our, our, our ability to just keep the doors open. Yeah. And chances are it would never have survived COVID anyway. You know, um, I mean, uh, COVID was on the news when we were shooting Willie's, and then I got back to LA the first of March. And, uh, literally, you know, within 10 days, the town had shut down.
1: So. Yeah. I would assume over the, uh, years that you've been in the business, a lot of changes, you know, from uh, VHS to DVD to now streaming and also the rise of CG, uh, the, ha- which is actually uh, more, uh, which is a bigger change for, for your, your side of the business, the CG or kind of the, the loss of home video.
0: Uh, the delivery, you know, there's still, you know, with streaming, there still are platforms for the low budget independence, which is what as a filmmaker, you know, I've, I've always worked in in, on that budget level. Um, it's, you know, but like back in the VHS days, it was like the wild West, you know, people launched their careers and that sort of thing. And even though I worked on shows back then, uh, they weren't really my shows, you know. I was either hired to write or direct or both, and um, you know. So um, the independent market has changed. Obviously, the the whole digital thing versus uh, film, you know. Uh, but the uh, I mean, the CG thing really turned the effects industry on it on its ear, you know. I heard a story uh, uh, several times that uh, when Jurassic Park came out, Rick Baker took his entire crew at the time to see it and then said, This is the end of what we do, even though there were a lot of practical you know dinosaurs in the first Jurassic Park movies um, but um I think by the third one, they were doing them practically just so they had something to show on the behind the scenes because some guy sitting at a computer terminal going, (laughs) you know, is not exactly dynamic. Um, But, you know, and that's why when I started Total Fabrication in 1995, I was pretty, you know, committed to the idea that we're going to be doing mascots. We're not, uh, you know, uh, we're not going to be doing a lot of creature effects work, although we did do a a fair amount, like on the the second Power Rangers movie and that sort of thing. Um, Goofy creature work, but uh, uh, nonetheless, so it was... um, yeah. You know, uh, whereas, you know, I, there was, there's a lot of these effects guys out there, you know, I, I, I want to do blood and guts and they've got, you know, their logos are, are dripping and gooey and so forth. They said, I tried to all from the get go, try to have a little bit more of a corporate feel. So, you know, uh, higher end clients would actually, uh, you know, look at us seriously.
1: Right. That's interest, interest, not something like I would even think about, like, uh, or probably most people that, you know, uh, you couldn't do every, you couldn't make your uh, living from that just doing horror movies. And then to also work in other fields, you can't just have a bunch of craziness and people like, I don't want to, you know, I might not want to work with these people.
0: Right. Right. You know, I, you know, and and we, we had a lot of loyalty with clients over the years. The issue was, you know, particularly like in commercials, you know um you know okay we need a donut costume this time but you know now we're doing car commercials and we don't need a donut costume or any other food costume or something like that that was kind of the weird niche we got into uh we didn't do every food costume but for, for a while we were doing a lot of
1: uh, you mentioned your writing, and you've also been in movies and, and directed. So which, are, which of all that came first, like when you pursued well, this?
0: I, I, had, I when I came out to L.A. in 1982, I, I definitely wanted to be a filmmaker, you know, and uh, uh, directing and writing came from that. It, it's interesting, you know, because I felt like, well, if I'm going to try to direct a movie, I need to have a script. And the easiest way uh, for me to get a script was to write it. And I have a, an affinity for writing. I enjoy it. And uh, therefore, you know, uh, all anything I've directed is stuff that I've also written. You know, I've never directed anybody else's script. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was the intention. But I knew coming from a small town in Florida, you know, I'd done some theater there, including some original theater uh, and cutting edge. But from, you know, coming from a small time, town to L.A., I knew nothing I had in that area was going to really impress many people. So, you know, I had done a lot of, uh, effect stuff and fabrication. So I came out here and I got a job on a movie at the Berman studio in a week, you know, with, with, uh, you know, my, the, this portfolio I'd put together, which was physically the largest portfolio of all time. It was like, you know cinemascope and even rick baker one time looked at and said that's the biggest portfolio i've ever seen <laughs> not anything about what was it in. it was like that's the biggest one i've that's ever like seen
1: big right yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> uh so anyway uh so i knew i you know i i could do that and um uh, you know um uh so uh so I did a lot of that. And then, you know, I would try to figure out ways of getting in and ultimately got in with Fred Olin Ray. And then later Dave Dakota and that. So, um, and I got, you know, a decent directing opportunity uh, from Dave when I directed Ghostwriter, which is uh, I think still available on amazon.com hasn't been released on DVD or Blu-ray. So it's kind of, Similar, not totally lost movie from that era but you know it's it's uh
1: it's weird because there's so many uh companies out there that release like you know uh uh, rare movies i'm surprised that hasn't you know been one of them
0: Uh, yeah it's weird because it's more of a comedy and it's a pg rated comedy at that you know so it's not you know, and, and even though it's got a ghost in it, it's, it's, you know, it, it, it's definitely more of a comedy than any you know, kind of, it's certainly not a horror film mm-hmm. or anything like that. And that, th- those are the genres, you know, unless you've got something, you know, some really goofy comedy with a lot of tits in it, you know, a lot of these labels aren't doing it. The thing, you know, and I thought I'd mentioned this, uh, uh, is that, um, there is so much stuff from that was direct-to-video in the 80s that is lost, and we don't even know it's lost yet. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of these movies came out on VHS back then. You know, there were companies being formed just to crank them out. And I remember I was uh, with a friend at uh, 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 a VHS swap meet. And we were were picking up the things and, you know, there were recognizable names and so forth. But we're going, have you ever heard of this? As I know, I haven't either, you know, kind of thing. And, you know, these were back then you had to have a few hundred thousand dollars to make a movie because film just cost so much, you know, and you couldn't, with a few exceptions, get something released that was shot on tape at the time. Mm -hmm. I did it with the horror workout because, you know, we were, you know spoofing exercise videos and those were shot on tape so but normally you couldn't do a feature film on you know uh, shooting on any kind of video you know so um there had to be a certain amount of money involved yet the problem was these companies these companies you know years later dissolved people died you know and and what happened uh which was probably i don't know like six or Five or six years ago the lab all the film labs with the exception of one closed and they were storing all the 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 original materials the negatives you know any positives that sort of thing so they reached out to all the uh, uh producers production companies that had their stuff stored there well guess what even if those people were still around Did they move? Did, you know, change addresses, phone numbers and so forth? You know, back in the 80s, there was no email, you know. So they did a a certain degree of due diligence to track down the owners of this material. And they were given, I think, like 18 months to claim their property. A lot of movies from the 80s went into dumpsters the original materials and, and since you know uh had they been released on dvd years later you know chances are there would be a more responsible way of you know uh uh keeping up with the assets but in in the ca- this case the only thing uh, uh left of those movies is the vhs tapes which are you know are deteriorating as we as we sit here yeah so that's uh, that's a very sobering thing you know when you hear about lost movies from you know the beginning of the last century and you know how could this happen but but it, it it's happening you know because there has to be a certain amount of you know archiving and maintenance and all that stuff done and on movies like you know the type of you know straight to video movies we're talking about that doesn't always happen unless there's somebody you know there usually the owner with a financial interest
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so when, when you went out there in 82 uh, what were some of the movies that you watched that, that gave you the like hey this is something I want to do I want to eventually go to LA and, and make these movies
0: well you know, I, you know I've been following the genre you know constantly but the thing that really was happening was the makeup effects uh, renaissance you know with Rick Baker and American Werewolf Rob Bottin and The Haunting and and then The Thing and, um, so those movies were in the theaters and, you know, I was, you know, keeping up with Fangoria and I, uh, 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 my brother and I, and some friends had had the opportunity to make, meet Rick Baker in, I'd uh, like, uh, 77, I think at a convention in Texas, uh, he had just done the, uh, uh, extra footage for star Wars for the cantina scene. And, you know, uh, um and then later he was doing a promotional tour for the incredible melting man because he was the only person with a name involved yeah. with that at the time. Uh-huh. So they, I love the
1: they, incredible they, melting man. Uh, uh, I love well. that they just cut yeah, they call him Steve throughout the whole movie.
0: Yeah. Is, uh, yeah, that's a crazy like movie. Like I love it Alex Rebar as the incredible <laughs> melting man, you know. That, uh, yeah, I apparently I heard I, I I remember I think Rick telling me the guy was claustrophobic on top of everything. Oh, really? So yeah, what what do you need? What what qualifications do you have to have to be the Incredible Melting Man? I would think be able to wear a damn mask right, you know, right. without complaining. But anyway, you know uh, he, he they sent him through a whirlwind tour in Florida, and we went. I can't remember what uh, it may have been Orlando, but we went there, and hung out with him, and he uh, you know he was he looked fairly weary and said, "I'm really finding it hard to find anything good to say about the Incredible Melting Man." <laughs> Although I think maybe upstairs somewhere, I think I have one of the only merchandising pieces from that film, which was an incredible melting man candle. And even though I never did, when you lit it, it actually <laughs> melted.
1: <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: some, I, some genius. A there.
1: few years ago, we had the director on of the Incredible Melting Man, which the name escapes me. It was, it was really, really nice guy and stuff. And I asked him about those candles, and uh, he. He said they were cool, but he doesn't get any money from them, which he was he wasn't too happy about.
0: Well, yeah, that uh, because I think he he wrote the script too, right?
1: Yeah, his he said the original version of the movie was he made it a comedy, but they made they like recut it to make it more of a horror movie, and he said it doesn't work as well.
0: Uh, 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 That's yeah, I I would agree with that. Yes.
1: The ending is very comedic. Not to spoil the Incredible Melting Man for anybody, but no. at the end they just shovel him up and throw him in a trash can.
0: Yeah, yeah. Just, but it's you know, I, I, don't even think the, the, the kind of stereotypical janitor that was doing it even finished the job. It looked like he left part of. The yeah, he Yeah, it was a half-assed job. <laughs> I'm out of here. You know, but uh yeah, it's,
1: uh, <laughs> leave a little. Girl I actually over there. watched
0: it Sorry. just last night, which is. uh <laughs> You know, but anyway, so we met Rick Baker and he was really cool about, you know, giving us uh, technical information. This is before you could find there were a lot of books or videos or anything like that on the subject. And it gave, you know, all of us, you know, my brother and I and the people we grew up with this idea that none of us had the ego to think, oh, we were anything close to his level of talent. But the fact is he was really the first fan of this stuff that became a professional and i said you know well you know i i mean you know if uh uh he made he made it seem real and that's why we all you know went across the country you know to work in hollywood Mm -hmm. there's not that many of us left now i'm sad uh, sad to say
1: did uh, did he give you advice at the time rick baker
0: not specifically career advice. It was more, you know, sources for materials and, you know, the little tips and tricks, you know, of how to use them, which was, which was great. You know, I mean, you, you know, not that many years later after the Oscars and everything and people, you know, besieging him, he, um, you know, was I had to be a little more withdrawn and less approachable. So we were hitting him at a very fortunate time you know because i mean he'd been on the cover of star log with the incredible melting man stuff and all that it was before fangori even was started and uh, you know um and we had been reading about him forever and famous monsters of film land watching him you know uh, rick baker monster maker you know mm-hmm. <laughs> old Fari ackerman
1: yeah, uh, Troy's my older brother, so I would read uh, Troy's uh, famous monsters magazine, uh, famous monsters of Filmland magazine. Oh, those
0: were the best! Yeah,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. it was, it, and especially since um, for some reason we never had a subscription, so it was always you know a a search to find the next issue out, you know, because we couldn't count on any one newsstand to have it. So,
1: yeah, yeah, so, uh, some of the images that, from that is true. You never knew it. you just. Yeah, and that's why I bugged my mom to rent a um, motel hell because I <laughs> headed farmer with the chainsaw and I was like, I have to see this movie. So oh yeah, this is the greatest looking thing I've seen. So uh, oh, So yeah. when, you, when you go out there, um, I would, you know, this is now like there's actual schools to learn how to do all these things. But at that time, I assume, how, how did you even go about? Like, how am I? Who am I going to, you know, talk to to try to to make this work?
0: Well, you know, I mean, uh, a, a friend of mine, uh, uh, Tim Lawrence, had come out some months before, and ironically, he had wanted to work for Rick Baker, but this timing was off, and Rick was in over in England working on Greystoke, so Tim was working at... Uh, 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 at a model shop on uh, miniatures for Jaws 3D and that sort of thing, and he worked at, at some animatronics company. But he knew the players in town, and I was, you know, we were all kind of familiar with them. You know, um, I, I, uh, I actually the first uh, uh, interview I had was over at Sid and Marty Croft's, oh, nice. which was already, you know, I think they'd all even completely done with the Mandrell Sisters show, so you know there were the, the, well i walked in the building and lots of the lights were out you know i just, I, <laughs> I, I was going to interview because there was a light down at the end of this long hallway and you know i interviewed with some of the builders and so forth and you know th- there were literally pieces of characters from hr puff and stuff on oh. channels, you know and the, the entire department looked at my portfolio because they weren't terribly busy at the time but, <laughs> hey you know we like your stuff but you know not much is going on there and this was uh you know i mean i knew in this case that wasn't an excuse they were making you know so i went to makeup and effects labs and they were not uh they were already finishing some stuff that, uh, but then um I had driven out on my own. Uh, my friend Mark Tyler had uh, uh, come out with his girlfriend at the time, Linda Frobos, who'd been out here previously. And she had heard, you know, she let us know that uh, uh, Tom Berman was hiring for a movie. And so Mark and I went out there, showed our stuff, and the timing was right. Uh, it was, uh, I, uh, we, we were, all three of us were hired on Space Hunter Adventures in the Forbidden Zone in 3D. And try fitting that on a marquee uh so um you know uh i wound up working here and there on pretty much all the creatures in the film with the exception of uh, uh the michael ironside overdog makeup but we started out because and part of the reason we were hired was we had done a lot of foam fabrication you know back in florida and uh that turned out to be a, a rather unique commodity out here. There were people doing it, but uh, the, the the lady that Tom normally worked with was working on Cujo at the time. So hired us, so we fabricated the bodies. We actually got to sculpt some of the heads and hands and that sort of thing on the characters. And, uh, you know, then we wound up working on a lot of the other characters too. It, it was actually... Uh, probably the most educational job I had because I was exposed to so many new things. And the interesting thing about Tom Berman, he was already second generation Hollywood studio guy. His dad, Ellis Berman Sr., uh, was ran the prop department for years at Universal, and it was uh, supposedly Ellis who ran like the latex Frankenstein headpieces and the Wolfman noses for Jack Pierce, who did not like working with sculpting and molds. He would just spend hours building stuff up on people's faces, which sadly eventually lost him his job at Universal. Uh, But um, so Tom was not... uh, of the you know he was like the, the one of the last of the studio makeup apprentices at Fox. He wound up being John Chambers' lab man on Planet of the Apes, and he went through that system. You know, most of the guys like your Rick Baker. Uh, Rick Baker learned a lot from Dick Smith, and then you know people like Steve Johnson and Rob Bouteen learned a lot from Rick. So there was that uh, school of knowledge. Whereas Tom's stuff came back from all sorts of other wacky things, you know, and even people I've known in the industry said, hey, have you ever heard of using this? And they go, I've I've never heard that before in my life, but Tom would do this stuff and it would work. I remember him one day him going to a shelf and bringing down these little jars of dark liquid that had these yellowing, you know, crumbling labels on them. And he was pouring it out and it looked, uh, everything looked really dark to me. And then he started painting a mask with it. And I said, Tom, what are you using there? And he goes, balloon stamping ink. And I go, well, they stamp stuff on balloons and clearly it stretches and it doesn't, you know, cracker. Oh, like a rubberized off. ink kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, you had to have a good sense because it's like food coloring. You know, it's like—is this red? Is this blue? Is this very, very dark? But he, he, he knew how to work with it. And the interesting thing is, uh, years later, I was hearing about after the first two Tim Burton films where they started making the bat suits uh, more colorful and all that. You know, when Robin first showed up and all that, um, they couldn't use anything metallic on the foam latex because any kind of metallic paint has a certain degree of a copper content and it rots rubber quickly. So they wound up figuring out ground mica, like the Mylar balloons and stuff like that. that wasn't truly metal, but they said, well, what are we suspended in? How do we get the colors? And apparently they had to find them over in uh, England, but they ordered balloon stamping inks. So, you know, everything old is new again, you know, that sort of thing. And, uh, you yeah, know, so, you know, over the years, you know, um, you know, now, you know, most people do makeups with silicone versus foam latex and and that sort of things. But it's still, you know, it's still the same overall process and that sort of thing, unless, you know, unless you're doing something that's bringing digital in, you know, like a, Benjamin Button situation or something.
1: So uh, early in the career, how many different times did you actually play get to play the creature? You know, in in the suit.
0: Uh, ooh, let me think about that. Uh, I'm trying to remember when. Well, like I said, they, they they because the other two guys weren't available. They, I I remember one night where I was cursing under my breath when I was stuck in the big ghoul suit. I, you know, it's been so long. I cannot pick out those exact shots where it's me or if they even yeah. used any of them uh i i really didn't do a lot of creature stuff i i, I was smoky smoky bear in a commercial oh really that's where we fabricated the suit pretty cool. I, it was a little underwhelming in the sense that they didn't really show the suit really well uh, and therefore it wasn't, there wasn't any animation in it, but it, you look at a picture of it, it's a, a smoky bear. There's no getting around that. And apparently, you know, um, uh, I have the distinction of being the only live actor to have ever played smoky in a commercial or in a spot uh, that and several bucks will give me a cup of coffee, but, uh, <laughs> but that, that, that is a, a strange to the portfolio. They'll yeah make it could even bigger yeah, yeah. Um, and you know that and you know being an expert in dressing people up as food you know a couple <laughs> of things i had never truly aspired to deliberately you know just wound up happening yeah but uh, yeah i i'm not a huge fan of uh of of wearing these suits anyway You know, I'll be the first guy, you know, to show up, you know, with a pair of vampire fangs at a, you know, Hollywood masquerade party, because they said, I want to eat, be able to eat, drink, smoke, and, you know, bend at the waist, which sometimes people showed up and, you know, can you bend at the waist? No i was loaded in the back of somebody's truck and I I, I I am not kidding you you know and i'm sitting there going you know when they're having contests and stuff like that but when they're having you know in, in industry parties in somebody's backyard you know and you expect the stuff to be you know of course a higher caliber than you know uh an ordinary halloween party but it's like guys I'm not auditioning for a job here. You know, <laughs> I'm I, I'm coming to a party. You know, it's uh, want enjoy
1: so, yourself on some. Yeah, list. yeah. Exactly. You kind of do that for a living. You know, like yeah. this is unwind time.
0: Yeah. So that and and again, that's the reason why I was never that big. Once I got out of here in the business of you know making costumes for myself, because it's like you know you want to you know you want to. um, you know, you're, you that's your day job, you know, you're making costumes for other people, you know, so it, it, it's not as, you know, as, as fun, you know. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, here in the chat room, Joe Flynn says, uh, great to see you. Ken. give my best to Amanda.
0: Oh yeah. Hi Joe. Good to see you. Well, good to hear, hear you anyway. And, uh, yeah, Amanda's doing fine. She's sitting off camera here. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, Doug, uh, hope you're being well.
1: <laughs> and uh, Timothy Milliken says, "I love uh, Ken. Proud to have worked with his brother, and hope to work with Ken at some point in time."
0: Uh, oh yeah, well that you know I mentioned that the Florida Gang has uh, um, diminished. I think mean, the first of us to go was back in the '80s. Uh, uh, Steve Sleep uh, passed away from AIDS, and then uh, uh, Tim Lawrence died a year ago Christmas and uh I'm very sad to say that my brother Cleve uh died last week from a heart attack. Yeah. So that's what there's there's been a lot of outpouring and so forth.
1: Yeah, I'm very sorry to hear that. I'm very close to my brother here and I don't know if you know how uh, close oh, yeah. you know yeah. sad to hear about that.
0: Well, you know, he had worked for me, uh we had been a little bit estranged uh for a few years, so it was, you know, definitely, you know, um not something that you um, you know, want ever have to deal with. <laughs> but, yeah.
1: So uh, you mentioned uh, the horror workout. So that, and we love Linnea. Linnea's been on the show a lot of times. How did that? How did the Linnea Quigley horror work out?
0: <laughs> well, this is this has become an apocryphal story. She <laughs> was doing a film for uh, Dave Dakota called Murder Weapon, which was actually a slasher film. But uh, but uh, uh, they were, I think, on some little insert stage, and they were doing pickups, and they needed a shot of her. Coming down at the camera with a sledgehammer. Now, this was a rubber sledgehammer because, uh, you know, a real sledgehammer probably outweighs Linnea <laughs> even, even now. Uh-huh. So, and so she was having to hit a mark and it was very mechanical up and down, up and down. And I just, I literally said there and blurted out this looks like an exercise video. We should do Linnea Quigley's horror workout. And everybody on the crew busted up. But before the laughter died <laughs> down, it started, you know, that might actually be kind of fun. And so, uh, you know, we put the financing together pretty pretty quickly. It was shot on a two-day weekend. Um, where And we were shooting on you know, a beta cam, which was kind of the industry standard at the time. But we were having to edit it offline a uh, 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 linear now for those of the people who aren't uh savvy to this it's the worst thing in the world because okay i've got shot number one now i'm gonna record shot number two right after and shot number three and you're at shot number 12 and go oh shit i need to change shot number four you can't just pop it in you have to go back and re- relay everything down from the point you wanted to do it. And it, I mean, it was a nightmare. Plus the production was plagued with, you know, not only every, every standard thing that could go wrong, but there were, there are a few things that I had never heard of before that still went wrong. And, you know, years later, when I did the halfway house, you know, on digital, you know, we were still shooting on tape, but, you know, uh, 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 editing digitally you know things would come up and i'd get all tense remembering some of the shit that went down on the horror workout and then they said oh no 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 we can fix this in a couple of minutes it's like oh god thank you you know <laughs> but uh um you know actually uh i just heard today that there is uh the horror workout is actually going to be on a streaming channel and i something. I think with fuel in it, or I'm sorry, I can't remember. Uh, I should look for it.
1: It could be horror fuel, I know that website. So,
0: yeah, it's it, it, but basically, uh, uh, what it is is I I think it's a a streaming network that specializes in exercise videos.
1: Oh, oh, that's. that's pretty um, awesome so
0: uh, you know i said so, so they've seen it they know there's nudity <laughs> and violence in it you know which is not standard for right, yeah. for an exercise video <laughs> so you know so that's going to be there and uh, uh uh i did have somebody approach me about putting it out on dvd again i don't know if it can be up to blu-ray or not you know you can only make it look so good you know considering it was shot on on tape so um so there might be another DVD release. We had uh, put it out like six or seven years ago, and it was uh, um, the first time on DVD, and it was a uh, you know collector's edition and so forth. Uh, unfortunately, I also can't. Uh, I, I, uh, the other film of mine that I, I still own is The Halfway House, and it is getting a, a Blu-ray release soon. Unfortunately, they haven't told me the official date, so I can't. Say, but it, is, cool, but it is yeah. coming out this year, and it will be available on streaming again. Oh, nice. so that that excites me almost more than the the Blu-ray. Although I'd like to see you know it with you know true sixteen by nine, but the idea that it's going to uh, uh, be introduced to a, a whole nother audience, you know, because it's over fifteen years ago. So there's going to be a lot of new people discovering it, probably way more people than ever discovered it you know before
1: yeah no that's very exciting that's very cool and well when you find out the dates and everything let us know and we'll uh, share it on the website so uh, uh no uh you wrote the original um puppet master which went on to you know do do many different uh sequels and everything uh so what was that experience like writing puppet master and working with full moon
0: features? uh well um yeah, you know, I, I I will be honest, Charlie Ban came up with the name Puppet Master and he had sort of a list of puppets. Uh but of course I I've been working around there, you know, since Ghoulies and all that and uh you know, he kept going to the same well multiple times, you know, Very little small. A lot of small monsters, yes. And I I remember he said to you know, uh, it's called Puppet Master, and the killers are going to be very small. I like going, oh, you mean like ghoulies Oh no, 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 they're they're not <laughs> ghoulies They're not living. They're they're carved out of wood. Oh, you mean like dolls? No, 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 they're not dolls. They're puppets, mm-hmm. and, and I'm making fun of the guy, and he, you know, and I'm but I'm sitting there going, oh yeah, I see. Mm-hmm. But after that, you know, his contribution was like, uh, you know, really important things in the script, like. I don't like the name Miriam. Uh, uh, call her, you know, uh, Amanda or something like that. You know, It's like, oh, okay. That, 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 that's going to save the movie right there, you know. it's like, So I was working at the time, you know, with Landers on Ghost Rider, and I did a first draft. And any resemblance between that script and the final movie, uh, I think there are puppets in both. Uh, but, you know, it's really... know it's very different dip completely different tone uh i knew i i i had made a misstep with charlie uh charlie band uh because you know you cite um genre references you know to him and he gets gets a hard on but the problem is i made the mistake of saying you know there's this guy that's been missing from this kind of modern coven. They're kind of like a coven of witches and so forth, warlocks and all sorts of you know dark uh, type characters. And they've been missing. And then they all get a sense that he died. And I said it's like the grapevine scene from you know, uh, yeah, you know, uh, no. What's the name of the movie? Uh, the the heard it through the grapevine. Uh, uh, was it the Big Easy? No, no, no. So. The Big Chill, sorry. I just had a senior moment there, right on camera. Now, uh, The the Big Chill, and I said that to Charlie, and he was like, like, okay, I don't think he saw that movie. Uh, So anyway, we, uh, you know, I I, I turned in my first draft, and then it took forever to get uh, my final payment. Uh, By that point, um, um, David... um, God, now I'm having continual brain, brain farts. Um, The director, the guy they hired to direct the film, you know, uh, they'd already brought him in and he wanted, uh, you know, of course he wanted to get, you know, a director's guild payment. They wouldn't go for that. So he said, well, what if I do a major rewrite and then writer's guild? So that's how he uh, uh, came in. And that's why, a puppet master uh, uh, the David Schmoller, David Schmoller. Uh, that's who I've been talking about but this the screenplay credit goes to a guy whose last name is colodi who is the uh, author who wrote uh, Pinocchio so that's a pseudonym so uh, but uh, Charles Ban Charles, Charles and I share a story credit on the film so not that I've received any any money uh, for that over the years I've been basically discarded
1: yeah i'll, I'll say you know, uh, we've had charlie band on the show and he's always very nice to us but uh we've also had many people work for him and uh not always the the best stories
0: of oh uh, no uh, yeah. No, he, uh, you know, and, and the thing is, he loves, he loves the genre stuff, you know, unlike Roger Corman, you know, if Hunter Red October made, made any money at the box office, Roger was building submarine sets in the old lumber yard in Venice. Uh, but, you know, uh, 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 Charlie would always stick with fantasy. I don't, I don't like his taste for the most part in this stuff. You know, Um but there you go you got a man in the 60s calling you dude
1: <laughs> yeah i've met him i've met him at conventions yeah yeah
0: yeah no he's you know yeah no I he he, he, can, he can be charming yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> so uh something i wanted to ask about because uh, you mentioned jurassic park and carnivore actually came out i think that same year but before i'm sorry yeah uh yeah oh
0: yeah that was that uh so uh, uh well uh it was uh Roger's uh, attempt to cash in on Carnosaur, Yeah. Uh, yeah and uh, he, he uh, just to make sure he didn't run into any big studio interference, he uh, went and uh, found a novel that did have the same premise of cloning dinosaurs and uh, bought it. And But I remember seeing him you know, in some kind of interview, you know, and, and you can't make up stuff about Corman because the real stuff is too damn good. Uh-huh. He said, uh, Michael Crichton is a fine upstanding writer, and I'm sure he would not have consciously ripped off our novel. <laughs> 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 it, yeah. So, anyway, but, um, yeah, I don't know how many millions he claimed to have spent on it. We figured he normally spent 350000 on on basically any movie, and we think he spent eight hundred fifty, maybe a little more on it. So you know and you know Jurassic had not come out yet mm-hmm. uh so we were working and um you know it was my job to build the full size T-Rex i started out doing some other stuff there and apparently uh uh John Beagler had promised uh, uh Roger a full size dinosaur the size of which uh was in contention <laughs> You know, I'm sure, you know, John started out at, you know, maybe something like 10 or 12 feet and Roger probably started out at 30 (laughs) and it got down to, I think Roger thought it was going to be 18 feet and uh, John thought it was going to be um, 16 feet. And, but because this is the first time my doing something that large, slight miscalculation, it came out at 14 and a half feet. Mm. And, um, but, uh, I mean, Roger got his money out of it because I think he used it in like six movies. So, <laughs>
1: well, a couple of things there. Uh, what, what are the differences besides the, the size of working on something like ghoulies where you have little small things and working on, you know, a full size dinosaur?
0: Uh, well, you know, uh, yeah, the, the, the large things, you know, you wind up doing a lot more running around, standing, climbing crawling underneath you know it's a, a, a sometimes if i'm finally working on something that's you know maybe so big and it can sit on a table and i can sit in a chair you know in front of it and work you know that's uh it's a. it's a pleasure <laughs> uh but uh, you know it's you know i i i, I we've done a lot of really large fabrications over the years, you know, not all of which I was hands on, but still, you know, there's a lot of things you have to take into consideration and, you know, I mean, weight and leverage and that sort of thing. It turns into something completely new, you know, if you're dealing with something that, you know, would, you know, fill up your entire living room.
1: Right. And uh not. Something I because I grew up watching Siskel and Ebert, and uh, even though I didn't always agree with them, I always liked to watch the show, and uh, but they normally didn't like a lot of you know low budget horror movies. But Gene Siskel gave thumbs up to Carnosaur, and I don't know if you if you knew that. or if, uh, I, the,
0: the reason I know that is yeah. it probably was one of the few good reviews they got, and they actually put it on the one sheet, which was um, you know, enshrined above the uh, uh toilet in uh the total fabrication offices you know so i would see that uh you know every time i went to pee so yeah i (laughs) i I, and and i can't understand it because i don't think it's a good i i i I think it's terrible i mean i don't want to say anything
1: because you're here but since you said that it's not one of my particular favorites
0: the 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 sequels even Carnosaur 2 which is a, a blatant rip-off of aliens is still more entertaining to watch than than the first film, and uh, you know, fr- as a matter of fact, on our our, our, our uh, uh, show reel, I actually used footage from the Winarski Fred Allen Ray collaboration, Dinosaur Island, to show off the big Carnosaur because it was, I frankly, used way better in that film.
1: <laughs> well, uh, you said you know, like he reused the the actual dinosaur. Did you ever? did you keep any of the things you made or worked on?
0: I have a handful of things that were really, and you know, I get contacted by collectors and then I, you know, it's hard to have a
1: full size dinosaur in your, in your, no, house.
0: I do not. Uh, it may still exist, but uh, 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 I certainly don't have it. Right. Uh, the uh, you know, uh, and, and as far as screen used props, you know, I didn't, you know, Total Fabrication didn't do as many movies as a lot of these other effects houses where, you know, they wind up keeping the stuff afterwards. And we were hoping uh, to get the Willie stuff back, even in bad condition. But the producers, you know, of course, this is before COVID hit, so they thought, oh, we'll take it around to conventions and so forth, along with the customized pinball machine that, you know, plays uh, uh, significantly in the film. But I don't know what they did with the stuff. Uh, they uh, it could still be in storage somewhere or they could have just chucked it. Yeah. But I remember we were all planning on packing everything up and it's like, well, at least we don't have to spend, you know, a day doing that before we leave. But uh, it was still kind of disappointing because even as, as trashed as some of those things were, you know, I mean, they would still be you know, a cool thing to have.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. Did uh, what did you think when you saw the finished movie?
0: I liked it. I liked it. It's uh, uh you know, uh, they had, I think, you know, po- probably state of the art. Certainly for you know uh, this level of film, you know, watching, you know the, uh, you know the monitors and how uh, they do like on the fly color color adjustments and stuff like that you know it's you know uh i think it worried i i there was originally nick was originally going to have a line at the end and i don't remember what it was although i do remember that it's like he goes mute through the whole movie and then this is what he says it was I, i think that's one of the reasons why they said this is not a very you know momentous line so why but i i i felt the the no no talking was a little bit forced at times that's just you know my feeling i I, i've seen it twice but i mean overall i think it's really good and like i say i think it 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 wound up being very unique and you know even in you know the style of filmmaking but i think it uh uh, um you know kevin i think kevin did a really good job and the dp and all that so yeah
1: so uh like i mentioned earlier uh, so troy and i went uh, last was the last movie we went to see before it was right before everything closed was the original King Kong. They they uh, showed it at the theater and we went to see it. And then a year later we went to see uh, Willy's Wonderland. Uh, so I think it's in good company with the original King Kong, obviously. But it really was. It's really a fun movie, I think. And uh, yeah, I, had I haven't seen it on the small screen, but it was really fun to see on the big screen.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I, I did not get to see it in the theater. It's you know sad that we weren't able to have like a cast and crew screening, although that would have even been, you know, without COVID, would have been, you know, wh- where do we do it? Do we do it in L.A., where a lot of the cast was from as, you know, well as, you know, where we did the creatures. But then there were a lot, the, a, the majority of the crew was from Georgia. You know, all the, all the creature performers were, were stunned stunt people and, uh, you know, like, uh, so it, it, it's, yeah, uh, you know, I don't know if, where we would have had it, you know, <laughs> even if it had happened. Yeah.
1: If they do a sequel, would it be something you'd be interested in uh, working on?
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, unfortunately we were working so fast. We didn't get to make patterns. I mean, there's a mold for Siren Sarah and there's a mold for 90 nights face. But beyond that, everything was fabricated by hand out of foam. You know, the the lizard creatures were spray coated in liquid neoprene and all that. So it would be, we, we definitely couldn't do it in the short time lead time we had. And we definitely need a bigger budget. But, you know, I, I certainly would like to do it, you
1: mm-hmm. know. And, uh, the merchandise is nice. The Willie's wonderland. Uh, when we had the uh, director and the writer on uh, geo Parsons at the time, the shirts were sold out, but I think they have more in, but, uh, it's, it's, it's cool that people are really into it and buying the merchandise.
0: Yeah. I have, I have one that was, uh, 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 made by, uh, uh, the, the production. So I got it, you know, as I, you know, when I, when I left the show, so, uh, yeah, of course. I'm also hearing about possibly action figures and plushies oh, and nice. stuff like that. I'm going. I didn't sign any kind of deal. <laughs> <like that."
1: laughs> All right, it's just like the, the the director of of the Incredible Melting Man. He uh,
0: he, <laughs> he probably doesn't even have a candle. He does not have a candle. <laughs> <laughs> the only was, thing you you're
1: one up on that guy.
0: <laughs> the only thing I have from Puppet Master. <laughs> Uh, uh, that I didn't buy. Uh, what is my draft? Which I, uh, you know, wow. if I'm at a convention and you can transport them, I, I will sell copies of it because I said, This is you, you have not seen this puppet master story ever. So,
1: how different is the your original uh script to what was made? Well,
0: there? it takes place in a hotel, and there is a guy who wind, winds up turning out to be um the uh be the missing guy but like i said they're all witches and warlocks they were uh like a uh a punk s and uh a, a male and female uh bikers you know and so forth and six shooter didn't even show up until part three but in my script uh six shooter squares off with one of the bikers and shoots him in the face plate and his motorcycle goes off a cliff no there's no scene like that in the fi- the uh first puppet master so um yeah so it was more you know they were more sinister you know the, they've got parapsychologists you know coming to investigate the house in the movie and you know and they're all pretty low-key uh you know but then you know after i'd had this whole s&m scene with these witches and my scripts and i want to keep the s&m scene you know and then it's like um they're parapsychologists, you know, in in a strange right. hotel right. and you know they're tying each other up to the next. I think that'll be even <laughs> sure. better then. I think but I would like like that. Yeah, it. By day. Like, and, yeah. You know, it's you know that's you can, my kink, you know. That's my thing. You can believe <laughs> Pub is coming to life, but you know, I think that uh, the bondage <laughs> thing is stretching it a bit. Yeah, the suspension
1: know? of disbelief only goes so far. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's like um, you know, so anyway, so, the, I mean, some big differences, you know, uh, uh, differences in the kills, differences in, you know, but the person that I give uh, the most creds to on, on Puppet Master, it's not me, it's not Schmoller, it's not Charlie, it's the late David Allen, who uh, was responsible for designing and creating the actual puppets, which I think is what people really like about that is the yeah i mean
1: themselves. i I loved them as a, as a i mean i still like no but i loved them as a kid uh writing on vhs and uh the puppets were what sold them sold me on the movie yeah yeah absolutely did you have any involvement in any of the sequels
0: actually i wound up working over at a company, uh, the company uh run by mike deke and uh, wayne Toth uh, was working there and it was for puppet master four and five which were not shot back to back. They were shot simultaneously, meaning, you know, they were basically the same sets and Hey, we're in this room in the living room. So we're going to shoot scenes, this, this, and this from number four. And we're going to shoot this, this, and this for five. The actors were completely lost on the thing. Uh, uh, Jeff Burr is an old friend of mine. He, he directed it, but you know, it was,
1: I like Jeff Burr too. He's a good
0: guy. Yeah, he is a good guy, but he kept asking me, well, what do you think? I, I, I... said, <laughs> the script is terrible. <laughs> I you know I'm embarrassed for the actors even having to say this stuff. Yeah. But what, what, what did you think? It's, it's like, you know, it's like, what well, I don't know what he wanted. I, I you know, basically said it's, well, it's in color, you know, and there's sound and stuff, you know, but uh, I, you know, anyway, <laughs> but, but uh, there was this car demon in another dimension. I think they called him soon tech. And uh, so, Lane had this idea of doing a walk around Bunraku puppet. And I love this idea because it was this jointed thing. It was, it was a very skinny anatomy that you could not and really stretched out. So you couldn't put a person inside of it. But what he had was this big cloak and the puppeteer actually, you know, had control of the elbows, his feet were attached to the feet. And he had some linkage to the head, which was, above his, that he could get, you know, head turning in rotation. So, you know, uh, from the front, you saw the lining of the cape and we cheated the thickness of it. So the uh, the puppeteer, the operator was concealed inside the back of the cape. So that was, uh, you know, so that was a really cool thing that, uh, um, you know, uh, we, uh, I, I worked on for that film. Uh, strangely enough, not that much later, uh dave dakota said you know hey you know uh, charlie's had this title forever test tube teens from the year 2000 uh uh could you could you write that for this amount of money i said oh sure and he goes can you uh, but you have to write it to fit all the leftover sets from puppet master four and five <laughs> and i i had been out there to visit but i decided to go out to you know um check it out. And it's mostly this old hotel, which wound up being turned into the school. There was one kind of modern looking set that I said, well, this could be, you know, a scene in the future, you know, uh, there was like a police lockup with a, with a, a two-way interrogation mirror. And I thought, Oh yeah, they've got a, a time machine left over from one of the transfers movies. We'll stick that in there and use that, as our time travel device. I knew Charlie had, uh, you know, uh, bought some footage from the old Buck Rogers series, you know, futuristic skylines with, you know, space cars flying by. So said, obviously you can frame it up with that. So, uh, and then there was this, the the set that they'd shot the Tech character on, the, they kept referring to it as the sixth dimension. It was skulls and kind of, you know, you know, bottom basement, HR Giger kind of stuff. And I'm looking at I said, nightclub. You know? <laughs> I said, well we'll turn it into a nightclub. And uh, uh everything was shot on those sets. And uh but then uh, this was part of their yeah you know, the first entry in their erotic you know fantasy line and so there was definitely going to be a lot of sex and nudity and uh, uh I I remember telling David, well, there's only one problem. You know, there's there there's no locker room or shower. And he goes, So what? I said, Well, if you don't have a shower, you can't have a shower scene. They built that set.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: one set. <laughs> it was very small, you know, they had to have two girls up under one nozzle you know, because that's all there
1: was. It's important. Right.
0: <laughs> you know, well, it's it's you know. Yeah.
1: So uh, I know it's a weird time, but are, are you working on anything currently? I, uh,
0: uh, I, I I may be doing some more work uh, uh, for Roy Kinnearum. He co-directed a movie last year called "Sorority of the Damned," and I created this living statue with a definite nod to Ray Harryhausen. Oh, nice! Uh, it's a Talos-like thing, but it's it's a costume. And apparently, he's got some other creature stuff coming up. I'm, um, you know, uh, I still have the Total Fab website up. I'm, I haven't formed an actual company, but I I go under Total Fab Designs now. Since the web is Total Fab site is TotalFab.com, it's like well, Total Fabrication, Total Fab (laughs) Fab (laughs) Designs, whatever. Anyway, so yeah, I get I get some inquiries for that, and you know, I have you know, uh, soda to work out of. And if they get too jammed up, I've also got the Kyoto brothers. So even all, you know, old friends of
1: mine. Oh, nice. Uh, they made a uh, killer from outer space, right?
0: They did that. They did that. They, uh, um, I think they started that not long after critters, uh, the first critters. And I worked on that for them. I kind of, you know, helped, Designed the furring process for the puppets and they also uh, they uh it was like, i remember uh when bob shea came into the studio and basically said uh it's not in the original script now but we're going to add a big critter at the end so big being a little person in the costume but you're bigger than the hand puppets so yeah. you know so worked on that
1: critters has an amazing cast
0: really does you know um yeah you know, of course you know uh d wallace who you know has you know uh he'll be on the show in a couple weeks actually okay she you uh, yeah she was um um you know I, I i've become acquainted with her because we've done a lot of conventions together mm-hmm. and uh oh girl well, of course billy zane you know you'd almost not know it was him you know mm-hmm. uh and uh, the kid, uh, uh, what's his? The, the, the redheaded kid. He,
1: yeah,
0: I Scott Grimes. Scott Grimes. Okay. And yeah, I mean, I know he worked a lot back then. You know, don't want to know what he's doing now. And then, of course, uh, um, Don Oppe,r you know. Uh, but you know, yeah, it was, it was it was a good film. The thing, the uh, they actually changed the ending of the movie. Because originally it ended with the aliens blowing up the house, and they said, "Well, this is kind of a bummer, you know. <laughs> this poor family's been through enough sure. and losing their home." Uh, and uh, so they literally hired uh, Fantasy Two to go in and uh, build uh, a model of the house. And what they did is they pulled it apart and then reversed it so. It looked like the house was building itself, but that was not yeah, cool, know, the, the original ending, but yeah. kind of glad they did that.
1: Yeah. I like that workaround. Uh, yeah. When you do the conventions, are there any particular movies that stand out to people? Like this is what they want to talk about or get something signed.
0: Well, of course there's a lot of puppet master stuff and it's kind of a, uh, it's kind of a, a strange thing to have, you know, the, the project you were involved with the least and had the least, passion for be them thing you're most known for, you know? So, you know, uh, it's not, you know, not like, you know, they're, going to, um, you know, gravitate towards, you know, some of the other stuff I've done, you know, although I, you know, I get, you know, uh, uh, people, you know, talking to me about, you know, random stuff, uh, Nightmare Sisters, considering that was, you know, shot in four days has been one of the more enduring you know things you know even, even you know, though you know it's uh, you know we, i i thankfully it's just funny of course we were shooting so fast if an actor blew a line i'd be standing there on the sideline well there's another ad- joke that's not making it into the film because like, they certainly you want know, to do another take
1: yeah. you
0: know to correct a line yeah you know i'm I, I, you know it's, i think only if the camera fell over or something you
1: know. yeah uh, i want to ask about pretty boy because uh that's coming out soon and i know the the filmmakers i saw you credited in uh designing the mask
0: that's yeah um they had seen the strangers which i had created the 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 two female masks for the strangers i did not design those they uh, whoever Came up with the images that I was sent because it wasn't just like a 2D design. They had done some incredible Photoshop work of putting these masks on people, working in the shadows and so forth. So I'm sure they used it as a sales tool, you know, to get the you know concept across and get it greenlit and that sort of thing. But that's what I worked from. And but I did actually sculpt the masks and you know create the vacuum foam bucks and that sort of thing for it. Um, and, uh, so the, uh, um, people who did, uh, blind, you know, had seen that and wanted to, um, you know, me to do it. And I'm sitting here thinking, you know, oh my, you know, they have no idea, you know, I mean, I, I don't want to say how low their budget was, but let's just say that, um, uh, the masks that I did for the strangers were probably, probably equal to about half their entire budget. So, I, you know, and, you know, it is actual work, you know, and, not, and you have to involve other, other people, you know. Uh, so we had just done a, um, a thing uh, for this big church, and they had wanted some of the costumes when they weren't being used to be put on mannequins. So we had to fabricate the mannequins so they would you know, be able to get the costumes on and off. But they said, well, we needed faces. And I had this mannequin supplier that had these plastic heads. And quite honestly, with a little bit of extra paint, the face of Pretty Boy is actually the face of a, a, a mannequin made in China. <laughs> And when they said, well, I said, well, hopefully this will fit the guy. And then they said, well, it's Jed Rowan, and I and I knew Jed, you know, and I know he's a big guy, and apparently he's got a very large head, but his his facial features are kind of compressed. So actually, you know, he was fortunate the eyes did line his eyes did line up with the mask yeah. and all that. And then you know they just put some you know Ken doll blonde wig on the thing, and you know, and I'm going, you know, I I gave them a really good break on this and uh, apparently they wound up there's actually a commercial mask now of that character out there and it's like (laughs) it is just a chinese mannequin (laughs) face all all it is we literally just cut the face off sanded it down put some straps on and, and and that was it but it's um you know, it it worked. I mean, you know, everybody it definitely you know, works. Even, yeah. even one of uh, even one of my crew in the shop, the shop said, "I can't even look at that thing. It creeps me out." So
1: <laughs> yeah, I think the I think it having <laughs> the eyes is the creepiest part, where it actually has like the mannequin eyes. Yeah,
0: yeah it's I creepy think, but, as hell that thing. Yeah, th- we did punch up the blue in the eyes, so that was that was something we did, and maybe a little bit more contouring and all that, but that was. You know that that was it
1: yeah. we had jet on the show he was i don't know if he was wearing the one from the movie but he was wearing the mask uh when we yeah
0: they, they, yeah we only did one and you know i know i know they uh that the movie is pr- predominantly shot in the director's house so you know um you know it's just like way back when i did evil spawn with bobby brzee and shot 90 percent of it at her house i said if you're going to make a movie in a house yeah, at least get a nice house. You know, <laughs> both, uh, both, uh, both. Uh, in both cases, you know, we had a nice house to work right, with. Right. In yeah. the case of Evil Spawn, uh, their front yard was, you know, kind of uh, gated in, and then you go through the house, and there's this huge back terrace that's overlooking, you know, Sunset Boulevard, the Shadow Marmont, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, well, that gives it some production value.
1: Yeah. Uh, since you said, uh, you know, people ask about the movie that you don't have a lot of passion for, Puppet Master, what would be some of the movies that you do have a lot of passion for and you would like people to watch that you worked on?
0: Uh, well, the movie I'm most proud of because I, I made it with my own money and uh, basically, you know, had no one to answer to except myself for the budget uh, was The Halfway House. Which, as I said, you know, it's hopefully going to be in uh, the public eye again soon. It was one of those things where, you know, I'll, you know, I, I realized, you know, that now people uh, that that uh, buyers would uh, uh, pick up a digital film, but we were it was still that area where we were a little nervous about it and wanted to make it look as good as possible, even though HD was available back then, it wasn't available or prosumer level so we wound up using the uh panasonic uh, dvx 100 which was the first prosumer camera to shot uh in 24p and it was something about that frame rate which matched the frame rate of film that no matter what gave it a more film like um you know quality so that in hiring tom calloway who's like a veteran of you know like over a hundred films uh to shoot it and that was the first entirely digital movie he had done so you know we were you know i i I, when i saw the dailies i i literally said i wasn't expecting it to look this good you know it was really uh, uh film like i mean there's some daytime exterior scenes where um you know, it's really bright and a little washed out that we didn't have like a massive grip package with flags and sails and, you know, diffusion screens and that sort of thing. But for the most part, you know, it looks really good. And we actually, I had a buyer who you know, who uh, was actually uh, buying for um, uh, Lionsgate, among others, and he said, you didn't shoot that on 35 millimeter. And I go, yeah. And he goes, 16 millimeter, right? I said, you got me. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I love the look of film. But, you know, I've been asked, you know, in the past, you know, oh, do you miss working on film? And I say no, because I never had a a, a good enough budget to do it right. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was always, you know, you know counting footage and you know can can we do another take and and that sort of thing and it's not the way to work you know and you know after having some horrifying technical experiences on the horror workout i was so pleasantly surprised you know how smoothly post on halfway house went you know we actually i actually hired uh, Tony Dublin to do uh, wire removal on the creature. And some people said, well, it's, you know, it's a rubber monster, you know? Yeah. And I said, I'm not, you know, I don't want the strings to show, you know, and I could have cut around the strings, but it wouldn't have been the best performance. So looking at footage that you paid somebody to take something out of is a weird experience because, okay, I spent this much money and I can't see anything, but of course that's the idea. You don't right. want it. Yeah. anything especially the one shot where you could see the operator's legs <laughs> is, um coming out of the bottom of the creature we we got rid of that but <laughs> uh, and i haven't seen the um you know upres version but i'm you know really hoping that you know it's going to look good and they're you know coming off the original elements mm-hmm. and that sort of thing and we haven't determined what the uh, extras are going to be yet i'm really really hoping that they will you know uh get mary for an interview uh we're gonna have the original making of video which is like over 40 minutes but you know she did not uh contribute a lot to that one and so forth Then, actually i'm hoping i can you know get on camera with her because you know she's she's just such uh uh incredibly colorful woman i don't know if you've ever interviewed her or not but uh um yeah.
1: What? I mean, well, let uh, I me mean, I'm going to look her up. Uh Do you know what streaming site it's going to be on yet?
0: No. No, I do not. Uh uh sorry. That's uh, okay. I know it will be available on streaming, you know. But uh uh, uh, the the label is Intervision. I, I'll leak that out, and they're um, a subsidiary of Severin Films. So, oh,
1: I know the other people who uh, who uh, own Severin. So, yeah, but it's cool now because there are a lot of companies like that, that the uh, Severin and uh, Vinegar Syndrome, and uh, you know, that restore a lot of uh, uh, cool, weird movies and. Uh, i i like all the specials i mean that's the that's okay. the selling point for me if i'm going to get a blu-ray because you can watch stuff streaming but if it has i, I like commentary tracks or you know interviews and making of so. oh yeah
0: oh yeah yeah no that that stuff is cool i i picked up a copy of tammy and the t-rex from uh, uh vinegar syndrome when yeah. i was uh, in atlanta i I worked on that. I'd gotten a call from John Beekler, and they were, they, you know, and this was after Carnosaur, but they weren't, did not want to rent the Carnosaur. Mm-hmm. They wanted to use this shopping mall animated T-Rex, which, you know, clearly did not walk or anything like that. And, and the weird thing was, you know, it was, it was a teen comedy, but they had this ridiculous amount of gore in it. No nudity, not from Denise uh, Richards or anybody. Uh, but I mean, and, and it wasn't comic gore, you know. I, I, I was just so stunned by it. I said, "I said, usually most comedies I see don't have one disembowelment in it. This has actually two, and I think at least two decapitations, not." clean severed heads but yeah let's like rip the tendons out of the neck and you know spurting and stuff and uh, there was only one co- uh, comic gore gag where a guy got run over and was flattened like in a looney tune but you know i remember somebody from the production i was talking him well what about monty python and the holy grail i said that was <laughs> decades ago uh-huh. they were spraying it didn't even look like blood I don't know what it looked like but out of a fire hose practically yeah and this is you know this was nasty stuff and of course uh, I guess I guess the the restored version does have some of our stuff in it now uh, which makes it in my opinion even weirder because you know who is this movie made for you know <laughs> I haven't
1: seen the movie until like last the last couple of years when it was re-released and I saw it and I and I loved it, but they, it's a very bizarre movie. It's made for someone like me, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah,
0: it, it, it. Too. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, it, it, it was it was a, a fun set to be on. The Stuart Refill was great, you know, and I mean, I was I, he he sounded a little uh, distant in the interview they have on on the Blu-ray, but he was. He was a uh, a, a former stuntman who had doubled, I mean, screen doubled for uh, uh, Ron Ely and one other screen, Tarzan. And so, and apparently the reason he got roped into doing Tammy and the T-Rex was uh, Edward Sarlouis had promised him he would finish some wild animal action movie that Stewart wanted <laughs> to do. Of course, I, I don't think that ever happened. And, uh, but uh uh, he's the only director uh, I've ever worked with who's, you know, uh, said "pacey pacey" to the crew. <laughs> now that is Swahili that's using the old Tarzan films when they're going through the jungle and so, "Come on, pacey pacey." <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, when he said that, you know, I'm looking around and nobody else got it. You know, and it's like that was great. <laughs> you know, that was great. He, he, he was a lot. He was very cool, and you know. Um you know, I'm pretty sure he didn't get to make his movie. He just yeah wound up doing that. Yeah.
1: Thing. Uh by the way, to answer your question, Mary Warren uh, uh, uh I hosted a panel with her and uh it was rock and roll um high school reunion. I hosted okay. a panel with her uh in Chicago for a convention. And uh okay. but she was uh I was a big fan. They like said Troy's my older brother and one of his favorite movies, uh when We were younger, was eating Raul, and I probably watched it when I was waiting. Oh, yeah,
0: I, I was fortunate. Uh, I, I when I first got out here in the fall of '82, uh, they had a premiere of uh, Eating Raul at uh in uh, Westwood, and I did not see Mary there. Actually, she, uh, she told me that to this day she's never seen it. Uh, she doesn't like oh. watching herself on screen. Oh, okay. But I think I spotted Robert Beltran there, and Paul bartell was actually handing cookies out to the audience as they were that's walking the best and, 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 and thanking us for coming to his movie. And I got to see him at a few other screenings over the years and so forth. I never got to know him. Dave Dakota was friends with him and so forth. Mary told a great story about. Uh, Eating right, I I don't know whether they were in Vegas or something, but he took her all around the world to promote the movie, even though she wouldn't watch it. And (laughs) walked, uh, yeah, it was it was morning, definitely. And she said she walked to Paul's room, knocked, and told her to come in. And he's sitting at a room service cart, eating not one but two lobsters. And she looked at him, Paul. Why are you doing that? He goes because I can.
1: <laughs> I can so see that. That's awesome.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I love that. Yeah. That's a good answer, too. Well, yeah. Yeah.
0: The, um, I'm on yeah, T5, no, so I can eat a lot. The film, I the film that. that I think just recently got came out on Blu ray finally, and it was a film that everybody you know uh, uh, all the participants were disappointed it wasn't as big as it was but it's a I, I love uh, uh, scenes from the class struggle in Beverly oh Island. me too me
1: too that's one underrated sucker I love that one
0: yep. yeah to hear Jacqueline Bissett say Dead man <laughs> to uh, Mary Warren all he'll suck your box till your nose bleeds yeah <laughs> <laughs> The first time I watched it, which was on VMS, <laughs> I remember whining it back a couple of times. She, yep, she actually said that.
1: So. <laughs> That's you a know? tremendous movie. I haven't seen that one in a while.
0: Yeah, well,
1: like you said, I hope you get to get to include her more in the uh, in the special. Uh, I don't know if she's someone who does a lot of that kind of stuff. So,
0: well, you know, let's face it they're they're going to have to pay her, you know, sure. for come out and do it. i I'd actually love to do it at, at her. Um, apartment that's uh, a very very unique place she's also a painter and she has these like six eight foot tall paintings on, on the wall of this big airy room where you know the floor is painted like you know neon green and stuff like that so you know but uh, like I say I hope um, you know I hope I hope she'll come out and talk about it it was I, I saw her at an event uh some years back and you know she recognized me and you know um so we were able to chit chat a little bit
1: very cool uh you mentioned the website uh where else is there any uh is that where you prefer people go to see what you're up to or follow you online Uh
0: let's see well um I've got one that hasn't been updated in a million years uh, uh, called The Fright Film Factory, which has my writing and directing resume on it. You know, uh, mostly material from Hard Workout and Halfway House. And uh, so that's kind of my filmmaker site. Um, of course, I'm on Facebook, uh, uh, Cleverly Disguised as Kenneth J. Hall. Uh, and then uh, there's also totalfab.com, which is all the uh, you know, the effects stuff, you know, fabrication and that sort of thing. So, um, I'm on Instagram as total, I think it's underscore fabrication. Um, I'm trying to remember what my Twitter name is, uh, something like Ken Hall One or something like that, but uh. Yeah, and uh, you know, in it, the last month or so, I haven't been as uh diligent with social media as I should. You know, it's just
1: I understand uh, if it wasn't for the show, I don't know how much I'd
0: be. Uh, it, yeah. It's
1: not always the most pleasant place to be, but
0: well, you know, it's uh, you know, just. You know, I've been fortunate enough to have some work and actually some significant work in terms of, yeah, we did not do that many feature films, you know, when Total Fab was around. But Willie's Wonderland, which is, you know, quite the hit. And I think Sorority of the Damned is going, I have not read the script on that, but it's definitely got uh, comedic elements in it. And you know uh, um, you got Phyllis Rose and Sarah French uh, in it. So uh, yeah, I look forward to that. And I know, you know, like I said, Roy and Joe are 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 going to be doing some more films. And who knows? Maybe I'll I'll get to write and direct a few of those as well.
1: It'd be very cool. Oh, Before, yeah. yeah, this has been really fun. I enjoyed having you on. Oh, well, thank you. A great time.
0: Great yeah. Thank you. Uh, I'll, you know, just uh, send me the info and I will uh, share it on social media. Sounds good. It'll be cool to do this again sometime. Absolutely. You know, yeah, anytime I'm, you want to come back. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've got, you know, uh, hopefully I'll have something new to talk about, but at the same time, uh, I uh, uh, definitely have lots, <laughs> lots and lots of stories of, of movies past, whether it's, you know, I was, you know, um, you know, writing, directing, or doing. I a think fashion.
1: some of your films show up on this. Is a hand painted hat that was made for oh, me. Oh, okay.
0: No, I see. I see Blade there. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, Blade's there. Uh, let's see. I think there's a Ghoulies on here, or possibly a Critter. I think that's Ghoulies. I think it needs touched up. I've had it for a while. Well, you <laughs> said you worked on Killer Clowns. That's on there.
0: Yeah, I, I didn't work on that but I, i've worked with the brothers right,
1: the, right. yeah no. we got a Goolies here
0: oh very good i <laughs> uh, have to okay. have that
1: I, th- I think that's it for for your work but yeah. thanks annabelle lector for the hand-painted hat
0: oh <laughs> all righty so um uh, let's see i guess uh just uh uh if you haven't seen Willie's Wonderland yet, I, you know
1: I I recommend it. I, I recommend it too, just and not just because you're here. Uh, both Drew and I really yep. have fun watching it.
0: And yeah, we had a ton you know, of
1: fun. Yeah, and if it depends where thats the cool thing about horror movies. Depends what mood you're in. You can watch all different kinds. But if you want to just watch something fun and get away from everything's happening, I, I recommend Willie's Wonderland.
0: Did you say you haven't yep. had Nick on the show? I
1: never had Nicholas on the show. No.
0: No, like, that would be tremendous <laughs> well all I can say is I'd heard about it before but uh uh it turns out he is a huge huge horror movie fan and uh, um uh you know he can he, he, you know he can talk to you um, non-stop about Godzilla you know hammer films <laughs> that sort of thing Ooh, I've actually nice. never
1: I just assumed he would say no but but as I always for anyone who has me <laughs> your advice about getting guests, I always tell them the worst someone could say is no, so I should at least uh, get out there. Yeah, and I see I,
0: I, cool. I I don't know um uh I mean I have an email form but obviously No,
1: I understand. I oh, yeah. I uh, not trying to uh
0: the uh um, I guess, yeah, you know, maybe his manager, but of course his manager is probably, you know, one of those people that's like, you know, what is he going to get paid? <laughs> yeah.
1: That's yeah. usually what I've had people who, uh, especially on the MySpace days, like when social media kind of started and they'd be into coming on and they say, yeah, set it up through, you know, whoever. And then if there was no money involved, it was usually the end of that. So <laughs> it's best if you can connect with someone one-on-one.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. It's uh it, I mean it's obviously tough to do that sure. within in the Hollywood system because yeah. you know there's you know a lot of <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
1: I understand. But either way I love the movie and uh, and and it's been cool to hear that he's a, that he seems like a really good guy and he's really into the movie and that he, he like Oh yeah. And, you
0: know. No, I did
1: really I, like, I, like I, his I, horror movies the last few years. I love Mandy and uh, Willie's Wonderland. and Since he lost his mind.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I know he uh, at least used to own some uh, original Basil Gogo's paintings, you know. Oh, government. nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Know. And uh, I've actually seen his uh, 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 burial site in uh, New Orleans, what? Cemetery Number 1, because that was one of the things that the IRS did not. Take, but. Oh,
1: the band who does our theme song is named the uh, the Tomb of Nicolas Cage. They're from New Orleans, and they named it after the actual Tomb of Nicolas Cage.
0: That's uh, yeah. It's I mean, it's like a onyx pyramid sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, it looks
1: crazy. I love it.
0: Yeah, the, like, yeah the, it's, it's not really fit in the and, yeah. vibe <laughs> of the uh, the cemetery where, among other people, Marie Laveau is supposedly incurred so <laughs> what are you gonna do uh but yeah no he, he he was really cool really nice and uh literally on his last night of shooting was when he takes willie out and he was covered in black goo <laughs> which you know was of course the object of every you know animatronic kill and he went, got cleaned up. They were breaking for lunch. And uh, they made the announcement that he would be fine with, you know, opposing for pictures, signing autographs. And there was oh, nice. of, you know, 30, 40 people there. I, I was fortunate enough to get a, a picture with him before that. But, uh, uh, you know, the fact that he did that on his last night was, was really cool.
1: Yeah, so. that's right. Really oh, cool. yeah. Very good. All right. Well, we will let you go. I sh- I usually ask yep. how many people have, but, we're gonna- <laughs> I go long, but I think it long. But I think was a good time. So. All
0: right. Well, thank you so much. I know. Well, I was just fascinated. I could just listen to you talk all night. Oh well, yeah. I, I I you know I I genuinely like telling stories. I always l- used to love listening to other people in the industry tell stories long before I even moved out here. And, you know, it's like I've, I've been around long enough now, so I'm kind of a, uh, you know, uh, an institution of sorts. <laughs> uh, not that there's any real money in that, but. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you get the good stories anyway.
0: The good stories, yeah, yeah. And every once in a while, like you guys, I find somebody that actually wants to hear them. So, <laughs> know, that's we'll about. always listen. Yes,
1: definitely, <laughs> and a big thanks to Cat for us setting this up. We appreciate oh, it. Oh, no thank no. you.
0: Yeah, and uh, hopefully, uh, um, you know, she and I will wind up working together at some point uh, on another project. Maybe this year.
1: Definitely. Yeah. All, all right. right. Well, have all a right. We wish you all the best.
0: Thank, thank you, you so much. Awesome. Night, you guys. Night. Night. All right. Good
1: night. Bye. Night. night, Neil. Nice. I'm gonna. Wave awkwardly as I hang up. Here. All right, we can do that.
0: Awkward wave. Good night, everybody. From ancient terrors to the search for modern day conspiracies, the Tomb of Nick Cage is the new sound in horror rock. Uncover the mystery of old world horror for the new world order on iTunes, Amazon, and more.
1: Ripley, we should have listened.
0: The Tomb of Nick Cage. They're coming
1: tonight. Mostly, they're coming tonight.
0: Mostly, they're coming tonight. Mostly, they're coming tonight. Mostly. Find out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The Tomb of Nick Cage. They're coming tonight.